Hey y'all, this is Charlie and we are living, loving, laughing in grace. And we are also going to jump right back in to where we left off the last time. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Listen, he's going to tell us what the strongholds are. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. My friends, he just told us what is spiritual warfare? Where does spiritual warfare start? My friends, it's in our minds. The battle is for your mind. The devil wants your mind. He wants the mind of your children. He wants the mind of your loved ones. This is spiritual warfare. What you're doing right now, listening to the word of God, listening to the gospel of Jesus Christ is warfare because you are filling your mind up with the obedience of Christ. Notice it didn't say our obedience. Sometimes people take this out of context and think that it means that we have to try to make every one of our thoughts obedient. No, it says every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, meaning his obedience. It's his obedience that saves us. So we bring strongholds down. Where does all these things take place? Where do, you, where do arguments start, my friend? They start in our mind. Have you ever sat there thinking over and over and over again what you should have said to some so-and-so to put them in their place? Oh, I'm going to say this the next time I see them. I'm going to say that. My friend, thorns, thorns, thorns that rob us of our peace, that choke out the word of God. We can get so distracted thinking on those things, right? When the Lord wants us to fill our minds thinking of the heavenly. So he says that our weapons are not carnal, but mighty in God. Say mighty in God. Mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. My friends, you know how the devil gets a stronghold in our mind? Usually it's through a lie. He gets us to believe a lie about God. I almost died believing a lie about God. When I was so sick, and, and I've shared it so many times, I'll just say when I was had been injured and my body was shutting down and I was so sick, yeah, part of me would pray to God, but the other part of me felt like I deserved this for all of the wrong things that I had done in my life. And I would sit there judging myself and condemning myself. And on the other hand, I've shared before that I grew up in a very violent environment to the point where it was a, a normal thing for people to die in their 20s, in their early 20s. They would, they would either be dead or in prison. And so at the age of 28, I thought I had lived a long, good life. A lie, my friend. A lie. And I, I didn't think that I deserved for God to heal me. I didn't, my friend, but that was all self-righteousness because I'm a believer. I never deserve anything from God. 
but Jesus has paid for it, right? As we're talking, of course, I obviously didn't know all these things back then. And this is why I'm so passionate about sharing these things, because I know the cost of believing a lie. As long as I believed that, I continued to get worse. And then I had some Christian friends tell me that maybe all these things had come into my life because of some sin I had committed. And I can tell you six weeks from that point, I was on chemotherapy because I laid in my bed judging and condemning myself and it nearly killed me. So what happened? The truth. The truth, my friends, the truth of God is mighty and powerful. God showed me that he loved me absolutely, completely, and unconditionally. He showed me that all those sins had already been paid for in the body of his son and that it was time for me to stop beating myself because his son had already been beaten for me. He showed me that the love I was trying to earn from him by loving him with all my heart and all my soul and all my strength and all my might, which by the way, friends, is impossible. And if we could do it, Jesus wouldn't have needed to come. While I was trying to do that all along, he was loving me with all his might and all his strength, all his soul. That's why Jesus gave himself up. He loved God completely, entirely and totally like we can't, my friends. And now we love because he first loved us. And those truths began pulling down those strongholds. Then I learned that God wants me to live to at least 120. At least, my friends, all of a sudden 28 didn't seem so old anymore. Hallelujah. The battle takes place in our minds. And that's why we are sharing so much on this today, my friends. And the last couple of years uh, since COVID came, mental health conditions and suicide and depression have just skyrocketed, even amongst the youth. I, I want us to see that Jesus already provided the answer. He already suffered for us. He gave us the way out and he gave us a mighty, mighty victory. So we were looking at how the devil came against Jesus and it was a battle for his mind. He spoke these things to Jesus and he tried to get Jesus to do things, but not by physically taking over, by putting thoughts in his mind. Uh, yes, is it possible for an unbeliever to become possessed? Yes, it is. But my friends, the Bible says you have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ himself dwells in you. You are the temple of the most high God and God does not share. You cannot be possessed, but you can be oppressed. And that's what this beating of the thorns into Jesus's mind is showing us the oppression that came on him from the devil and all the many demons that would have gathered there that day. They thought this was a great victory. So he tempts him to turn stones into bread, which is what? It's the lust of the flesh, right? Lust of the flesh. Lust of the flesh uh, can, a lot of times it involves, you know, getting for our, our body for our fleshly thing, things, not God's way, right? A lot of times lust of the flesh doesn't, does include sexual immorality, but it doesn't have to just include that. 
right? So we're not going to get into everything about this because then I'll be here all day talking about these temptations. Oh, this is such a wonderful, uh, anyways, it's a wonderful scripture, of course, but we got to move on. So we see the lust of the flesh here by the devil tempting Jesus to turn these stones into bread. And then further down, the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. My friends, this is the pride of life. This is the pride of life. Yes, the scripture says that, that the God has given the angels charge over us, and in their hands they bear us, that they bear us up. But when you go and read that scripture in context, in Psalms 91, which I encourage you to do and to proclaim and declare over your family and yourself every day, you'll see it's talking about in your normal daily life. Not the kind of pride that you're going to take yourself up to a tall building and throw yourself off and say, God will catch me. This is pride. Also the desire for other things. Pride leads to us desiring all kinds of things that aren't good for us. And then finally we see, and, and Jesus every time defeats the devil by quoting scripture back to him. My friends, that's why I always encourage you to be in the word and have some scriptures memorized. The first time he said to him, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. But what? Here we go but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He just told us how to get out of temptation by also demonstrating it, right? He said it, it's every word that comes out of the mouth of God and also used the mouth of God to defeat the devil or the word of God. So then uh, we have this one. Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. So it says again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. My friend, this is the lust of the eyes, seeing things and wanting them, desiring, coveting, being envious, right? That's the, the lust of the eyes. And he said to him, all these things I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and ministered to him. So my friends, we see right here the exact same three things that we saw in the parable that the thorns represent, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, right? That last one was uh, the deceitfulness of riches, the, the lust of the eyes and the desire for other things. We see those same three things in the temptations that Satan brought to Jesus. And we saw that those are represented by thorns. So see, when Jesus was taking that beating of those thorns being pushed into his mind, he was taking the oppression for us that the devil brings against us, that his demons bring. You know, sometimes I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. We all have times where our own, our thoughts can seem so oppressive. And here's the thing, the devil can shoot a thought across your mind, but we don't have to hold on to it. We don't have to take it and stew in it and go round and round and round and round with it. You know, sometimes my husband tells me I'm like a squirrel with a nut. When I get something stuck in my head, it just goes round and round and round and round. And it can be a really bad thing or it can be a great thing when it's the word of God. 
Amen. And that's what I would encourage you with. If you struggle with these negative thoughts, with dark thoughts, with oppressive thoughts, don't try to not have them. That's using the flesh. That's actually pride. Instead, replace them with the word of God and let the word of God itself, let Jesus Christ himself set you free. My friend, that's what he did. He took our place. Think of this. I just imagine the things that the, that the devil was telling him. Like, do you really think? Remember before he came to him and said, if you are the son of God. Now I can just imagine he's saying, if you're the son of God, this wouldn't be happening to you. If you are the son of God, then demonstrate your power. Set yourself free. Right? We know he said these kind of things because it actually came out of the words of the Pharisees, out of the mouths of the Pharisees themselves. When they said, if you're really God, then take yourself down off that cross. Right? If you're really God, if God really cares about you, would you be hurting like this? Would you be suffering like this? He doesn't care about you. You have no value. You're not important. You're nobody. You're going to die like a nobody. My friend, have you ever had these kind of thoughts come to you that make you feel inadequate, like you have no value? My friend, these are the thoughts from the devil. These are his lies. And Jesus himself wore the crown of thorns to set us free from this. He gave up. You know what he was wearing before he was wearing the crown of thorns? He was wearing the helmet of salvation and he was wearing a crown of glory and honor. Jesus' very name is Yeshua, which means savior. And he knew that his father could save him at just a word. Listen to what he said when they had come in the, in the garden to try and take him in the first place. He said, do you think that I cannot now, even now, Pray to my father and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels. He had no doubt that his father could save him. He had no doubt that his father would save him if he simply spoke the word. But he went on to say, how then could the scriptures be fulfilled that it must happen thus? He took off his helmet of salvation, my friends and allowed his mind to be beaten and assaulted so that today we get to wear that helmet of salvation. The Bible tells us in Ephesians six seventeen, and take the helmet of salvation. It is part of the armor of God. My friends, where do you wear a helmet? On your head. You know, if you know about the armor of God, it talks about different pieces different pieces, the shoes and the belt and the shield. And it says the helmet of salvation. What does he mean? He's like, put that on your head, your thoughts. It's your thoughts. How do you protect your thoughts? By remembering that you are saved. You have salvation. You have the assurance that your father will save you, protect you, defend you, put on that same assurance that Jesus had because he took that helmet off to give it to you. We get to wear the helmet of salvation because he wore the crown of thorns. 
And have you have you ever seen a picture from, you know, back there in the, the times where uh, kings did go about, you know, and they battled wearing that kind of armor with the with the old, you know, helmets and, and the chain mail and, and all of this. And the king, so that his the troops would know who he is, he would wear his crown on top of his helmet. We have been given a helmet of salvation, my friends, where our hope is that protects us from these dark thoughts that nobody cares about you. God doesn't care for you. You have no value. All you have to do is look to the cross and see your value, my friends. God gave up his very best to save you. He emptied out his account. He held nothing back. He paid it all to save you. Your value is the value of the life of the Son of God Himself. That is your value. Your identity is a beloved child of God, the Most High God. That is your identity. You have purpose because you belong to the Holy Heavenly Father. You have been set apart every day. You have purpose and a destiny simply because Jesus lives in your heart. That's how we protect our minds. And not only that, he wore that crown of thorns and gave us, listen to this, Psalms 103 verse 4 said, Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. We get a crown of loving kindness and tender mercies because Jesus wore a crown of thorns. And Proverbs 4, 9, it says, She will place on your head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory she will deliver to you. Jesus is grace himself, grace incarnate. He came, he, he deserved the crown of glory. And he took it off put on a crown of thorns and gave each and every one of us a crown of grace and glory. You know, loving kindness in Psalms 103 is the same Hebrew word chesed, which means grace. God has now given you a crown of grace and glory. Psalms 8.3 says this, Psalms, I'm sorry, Psalms 8.5 says, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. Oh, my friends, what the Lord has done for us. A helmet of salvation, complete with a crown of grace and tender mercies and glory and honor. All part of the great exchange. Jesus could have simply given up his life, shed his blood, I say simply, but compared to everything else he went through, he could have simply shed his blood and given us the new covenant of grace. We would have received eternal salvation, but nothing but much more is good enough for our God. Nothing but the much more is good enough for our Savior. 600 to a thousand times he was beaten in his head the thorns driven deeper and deeper so that we, my friends, wear the helmet of salvation, a crown of grace and glory and honor. 
Amen. 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 Jesus, we thank you. We just come to you today and thank you for all that you've suffered, all that you did for us. Thank you for taking that crown of thorns so that we can live with a mind that is at peace, that a, a mind that is full of victory and joy, of hope for a glorious future. As your word says, every day grows brighter and brighter for us. Thank you because of what you suffered. You literally gave up your mind for ours so that now we get to declare, I have the mind of Christ. My friend, declare that with me right now. Say, I have the mind of Christ. Jesus Christ had walked this earth with a perfect mind, perfect wisdom, Perfect peace, perfect calm, perfect cool. Never said a wrong thing. Never had to take back a word. Never questioned his father. And that's the mind that we have. He's never forgetful. My friend, if you are suffering in your mind today, See that you have the mind of Christ. Declare it over yourself. Write this scripture down. 1 Corinthians 2.15 I have the mind of Christ. Meditate on it. Take it with you. Receive it. If you are suffering from dark thoughts and, and, and the oppression of the enemy, continue to listen to words that, that point you to Jesus. And just trust that he has set your mind free. He has set you free. He has set you free. We declare it in the name of Jesus Christ right now. We declare the blood of Jesus Christ over your mind. May your mind be set free. See the Father. See your Savior Jesus. Arms open wide. A smile on his face, eyes of tenderness and love towards you. He's wrapping his arms around you, holding you, loving you, adoring you. We have been crowned, my friends, with a crown of grace and glory and honor. Let's live like it. Let's think like it. Let's walk about like it. We don't need to rely on the world, the methods of the world. We have been crowned with the very glory and honor of God himself. And you know, to be crowned in his grace, my friends, grace is the undeserved, unmerited favor of God. God's grace will put you at the right place at the right time and protect you from being in the wrong place at the wrong time. His grace gives you favor with people. So they just like you and they don't know why. They just want to help you and they don't know why. His grace gives you the wisdom. The wisdom to take care of situations. To find the solutions to problems. He gives you the wisdom to know just how to encourage your child. Just how to correct your child. To bring out their value. Just how to speak into the life of your loved ones around you, your spouse, how to be a support and encouragement and love them the way they need to be loved. My friends, all we need 
is a touch of God's grace. And we've got it. We've got a crown of it. Hallelujah, Jesus, again, we come back to you in prayer and just thank you for trading, for taking our crown of thorns and giving us your crown of grace and glory and honor. Lord, may we be more and more aware of it. Give us greater revelation of it. Help us to walk around in this world knowing that we are now your royalty. And what a gift and privilege that is. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, my friends. If you have been listening today and you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, my friend, that is the first step to being free from the oppression of the enemy. I want to invite you to do that right now and receive the peace that only God can give. Amen. And it is just as simple as saying this prayer with me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to be the sacrifice for my sins. I believe that he took my sins at the cross. He took my punishment. He took my guilt and shame, and he was buried with it. And on the third day, he rose again, declaring that I am righteous. I am now justified. The sins of my whole life, my past, my present, and my future have been forgiven. Jesus Christ is my Savior and my Lord, and you, God, are my Father. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray, amen. Amen, my friend, amen. If you just prayed that right now, welcome to the family of God. You are forever now his beloved child, and heaven is your home. This is the best decision you can make in your entire life. And, and I just pray that even right now, I believe that you are feeling that warmth, that warmth in your heart, my friend. That is Jesus. And even if you're not feeling it, know that he is there with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, my friends, one new thing I want to do before I let you go is um, I want to have a resource spotlight. I decided this is something that I want to do from time to time because, uh, you know, y'all, y'all do ask me and you're interested. What are the kinds of things that I read? Where do I get, um, a lot of what I share with you? Well, most of it comes from the, the Bible, spending time with the Lord, but I do read other books that help me to understand, uh, the Bible, right? And, and there's so many wonderful resources out there. And because we have been talking about depression and and stress and um, the, the the warfare that goes on in our minds, I want to to bring a spotlight to an incredible, uh, very valuable book written by my senior pastor, Pastor Joseph Prince. It's called No More Mind Games, Win Over Discouragement and Depression. My friends, this is a very powerful little book with some very practical insights uh, and tools that you can use. It's it's small. It's so easy to read. Uh, I read about half of it just waiting on an appointment one day. And um, I've read it a couple times, actually, because I will never share uh, or something that I haven't read myself at least once. <laughs> so anyways, um, I want to encourage you, if you or someone you know are struggling, uh, Please go to his website, josephprince.com, and order this little booklet. Uh, I really believe that um, you will find uh, just some great insights, like I said, some powerful 
practical tools. Uh, hallelujah. All right, my friends. I hope you enjoy these resource spotlights. We'll have some more in the future. And I do hope that you have been blessed and encouraged. God loves you. I love you. Jesus loves you. He's your best friend. And um, until next time, keep on living, loving, laughing in grace.